0: Play video games, Fortnite, Overwatch, Minecraft, cool math games, schoolwork, watching movies, watching TV, Mickey Mouse cartoons, Peppa Pig, social media, FaceTiming, YouTube. Welcome to the Technopanic Podcast, living and learning in the age of screen time. Here's your host, my mom, Kristen Turner, and her friend, Ian O'Byrne.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Technopanic podcast. I am Kristen Turner. And my
0: name is Ian O'Byrne.
1: And we are your hosts here today talking about all things living and learning in an age of screen time. And we come at this from a couple of complementary and sometimes contradictory roles. We are researchers of digital literacies, and we are also parents of children. Today, we're going to talk about... Uh, reading and specifically reading on screens versus reading on print. So, Ian, why don't you tell us what you think reading is in a digital world?
0: Uh, That's a challenge for me. Uh, As a doc student, I was, uh, I studied online reading comprehension. I was a member of the New Literacies Research Lab at UConn, and so a decade ago or longer, you know, we, we talked about online reading, and we had a piece in the New York Times um, talking about online versus off- offline reading, um, and what's funny is that we still have this discussion. We still have this debate. Uh, in fact, yesterday in one of my classes, I'm meeting with my middle school and high school prospective teachers, my pre-service teachers, and we're looking at You know, it's a literacy class, a language class, and we're talking about what is reading, what is writing, and so my students and I were talking about their literacy practices, how they read, how they write, and, you know, how they normally read and write. And so they talked about certain textbooks, but then they talked a lot about social media, and they talked a lot about reading menus and reading street signs, and then, you know, reading through a manual, you know, putting together a, a dresser. Uh, and we spent a lot of time talking about what is, quote unquote, like real reading and what is text. And so one of the students asked me, you know, is a podcast reading, you know, is a podcast a form of text or is, is a, a website, you know, is social media a, a form of reading? Is it a form of text? Um, and so we had a very interesting discussion to try it and, and tease that out. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that reading a website is a form of reading. You know, if I'm reading Huck Finn and I have the book, you know, a print book in my hands and I'm reading it, then yes, that is reading, that is reading comprehension. I'm I'm actively deconstructing, you know, the the text in my head. If I put that onto a Kindle, I would still consider that reading. Would you?
1: Of course, and you you brought up something uh, really interesting there. You said the words "real reading," which is something that I encounter both with my pre-service teachers, uh, as well as with the students that I work with in schools as well as with my friends. I have a friend who has been debating with her husband and then with me whether her audiobook listening counts. As reading books and she and I actually agree that it does count. And the reason is because we are processing words and language and making meaning of words and language. And I think that's why I like to use the term consuming when we're talking about digital texts because digital texts come in all forms. They come in audio video image, and our more traditional alphabetic text, uh, where we think of real reading, or where our students think of real reading. So yeah, if you're reading Huck Finn on a screen, that's reading. If you're reading it in a print book, that's reading. I would say that those are two different kinds of reading, and they take two different kinds of skills. What mm-hmm. do you think?
0: So if I if I have a audiobook version, uh, you know, of Huck Finn, I'm still reading, you know, and I think the processes, or the the what our brain is doing as we read, as we go across that information, our brain is doing different things. Um, You know, if I read a, my son is getting into a lot of comic books and graphic novels. And so if I have a graphic novel version of Huck Finn that he reads or we read together, I still think that's reading and my brain is doing different things and his brain is doing different things. Um, So I think we're agreed upon, you know, there's different forms of text, forms of information, or modes of information that we would come across, but our brain is, is still actively consuming.
1: Consuming, and we need to learn the skills to consume critically in all of those forms. So that's where I come at this as a parent and a teacher, trying to understand, what do I need to teach the kids in my life to do in order to be critical consumers or critical readers in a digital age. Um, there's I would say some techno panic around this. Uh, mm-hmm. We have we have a lot of headlines in the newspapers and on the internet. I do we still read newspapers? I think we do. Um, but yeah. on the internet and and in other magazines and, and on television about how screens um, are ruining our lives and one of the reasons is because we cannot comprehend as well on a screen as we can in print.
0: But I, I mean, one of the, th- the interesting things to think about is we're living in a world where uh, you know an individual can start with that, that print text and if they want to, they can move over to the Kindle or ebook version if they so choose. There are technologies out there. Amazon has something called WhisperSync. So I can be reading on my Kindle and pick up from there and switch over to the audio version, the audible version. And if I want to, if I'm reading Huck Finn and I switch over to the audio version, I can go online to YouTube and I can watch video versions. I can go watch movies. So we're in this space where if I look at my children, it's important for me to teach them at an early age how they read best and how they can sort of like change the text or change the tool to help support that. So they might say this book is a little bit challenging and then even look at tools like New that you can change the Lexile level so they can say, I want to learn about Huck Finn or I want to learn about, you know, the American revolution. What's the best way for me to consume this content? I'm going to go to a podcast about it. I'm going to a YouTube video, a primary source. I'm going to read a graphic novel. We have to give our students, our kids, the opportunity to to use these texts.
1: Really quickly, Lexile level is about reading level. And so when you were referencing that, you were talking about a reader being able to understand or to comprehend what they are consuming. And I think what you just got at is that readers can consume in a lot of forms and they can use multiple forms of a text, whether it's video or audio or image, to help their comprehension of that text. And in some cases, we may have to go to those forums. So if you're reading a website, it's not all going to be an alphabetic text. And in order to understand entirely, you're gonna to have to learn to interact with video or with the audio that's provided by the authors. So I actually just read um, a meta-analysis, which is a fancy research term for a study that looks at all the other studies That are out there on a particular topic and the title of this meta-analysis is reading from paper compared to screens a systematic review and meta-analysis. One of the reasons I clicked on this link and wanted to read this article is because I see so many headings as I mentioned before about how we don't read as well on screens and we read better in print and then kind of the conclusion of that is we should only be reading in print because we don't do it as well on, as oh, yeah. on screens but that's problematic because screens are not going away right so I think you and I as literacy researchers and educators look at this as a how, what do we have to teach and so when I look at actual research that's being done that helps me to understand what I need to teach and so this uh, particular research study um, found that there are significant differences across all of these studies in reading performance um, in reading on a screen and reading in print but those differences are primarily limited to expository texts meaning those texts that we're reading for information Um, and when we're talking about narrative texts uh, there actually isn't really a difference in comprehension on screen or uh, in print. So this raises questions for me as a teacher when I'm thinking about teaching my students to read nonfiction or expository text, or whether I'm teaching them to read fiction or more narrative text. So what is that raising for you in your mind right now. Well,
0: so a, a couple things. One is the challenge, and I think it ties into a lot of our talk about techno panic is times are changing. And the ways in which we communicate and we read and write is changing. And I think what fuels a lot of the techno panic is this gut feeling of like, that's not real reading. Um, and that may not be true. That, that may have been, as you said before, real reading earlier. But now we have these different opportunities to connect. So my consumption of you know, sci-fi in, in my audiobooks I'm going to get the same sort of benefit as if I were to sit and, and sit with a print text or even like an ebook text, but then maybe I might have a little bit more challenge and that's something I feel anecdotally if I read a nonfiction piece. So if I read a, a text about, um, something where I, I want to r- learn more of the details, I do need to sit and not just read it, but it, it's making me have questions about annotation of that and sort of like, documenting or note taking on the on you know n- taking notes as I read so w- what did you take away from it
1: well I, I agree with you um, there are a couple of things and I want to come back to the annotation com- comment that you just made because I am actually involved in a study right now where we're looking at print versus digital annotation so it connects nicely to this conversation Um, But I do want to say that this idea of real reading is an interesting one because as a professional in the world, I do 95% of my professional reading on a screen, even this article that I'm talking about with you today. I read on a screen. I found it on a screen. I did not print it out, nor will I ever Um, and I actually know how to annotate it on the screen if I want. But that knowledge of annotation is something that we need to teach kids. So what I'm finding in the study I'm working on is that if they have a knowledge of digital annotation, they are more likely to engage with digital texts more likely to like reading digital texts and find that their comprehension of digital texts is solid but if they don't understand how to use the digital tools to do those things they've been taught to do with print based texts then they don't like reading on a screen. They're not engaging as deeply with the text that they get on a screen. And it kind of would lead right back into the results of this study that they're not going to comprehend as well on a screen as they do in print. And that's basically because all we have taught kids how to do is annotate and print. So we need to start doing some of these digital forms of engaging deeply with a text. And annotation is one example of that. Another finding in this meta-analysis was that readers may be more efficient and aware of their performance when reading from paper compared to screens, which basically means there's more metacognition or more self-awareness in what you're doing on print than it is on screens. And I think this goes right back into how we have taught readers. Um, We have taught readers since the time they were in kindergarten and maybe before that reading is in a book where you turn pages from left to right and that you can interact with that book using sticky notes or using highlighting or using um, underlining or marginal notations. We're not doing those same kinds of instruction writ large meaning everybody in schools. There are teachers who are doing great things with digital annotation, and I don't want to take away from that innovative work. But as a society, we need to recognize that real reading is digital, mm-hmm. and that we need to start teaching everybody how to engage digitally. Um, and until we do that, we can't really make comparisons about print and screen and whether one is better than the other.
0: It's also that big book theory, you know, it's the I remember, in and I was in fourth grade, and I was challenged by my teacher and so my teacher went into the library and I felt like he grabbed the biggest book I've ever seen in my life and made me read it it was the Count of Monte Cristo and that that was the biggest book I ever saw in my life and as you were reading it you you could see you you look at the pages to the right in your hand and you're like oh goodness I have so far to go with this text Um, so I think that there's a need for You know, part of the challenge is I think as we're in between two models, you know, things are changing as we talked about before, and and there's not a lot of talk about the ways that we could and the ways that we should be reading. You know, we need more time to think through that. What could reading look like? You know, what should we be doing as we read online? We need more of that dialogue and more of that research. But before we get there, you know, one of my last questions for you today is, part of this is, we've, we've used this term several times today about real reading. H- how do we reframe real reading? How do we push back against real reading? And, it's, and it'll help inform this print versus screen debate. How do we, re, how do we reform? and and advance and be a little bit more progressive when we talk about real reading. Is it stuff we do with our children? Is it stuff we do in our classrooms? Do we do it with with pre-service teachers? What do we need to do?
1: So I'm gonna start with what I just did with my 11-year-old daughter who came home from school and she had to pick a book. Um, There was some kind of book talk happening at the library and she had to pick a book. This is for a class project. And she came home and said, you know, I thought I was picking a a nice long book, but then I realized the book only has fifty eight pages, and I have four weeks to do to read this book, and so I only have to read twelve pages a week. And I don't think I picked a hard enough book or a long Thank enough book. Monte Cristo. <laughs> I should tell her that. But um, actually, it had to, it was a nonfiction book. She was super excited about the topic, which had to do with um, Mars rovers and exploring on Mars. And so she's chat chat chatting about the topic. At the same time that she's saying i don't think i picked a long enough or good enough book and i said to her well why don't you just extend the reading experience you don't have to limit yourself to just that book so once you're done with the book why don't you go online and find some videos or find some more articles or some more texts that can help you to learn more about this topic that you are so clearly excited in and she kind of went oh well i didn't realize i could do that uh, so again having real conversations with your kids, your own kids as a parent, and just allowing reading to take many forms in your house would be a first step to being more progressive.
0: Maybe it's a little bit of having, I mean, we're not normal. We, you know, we're, we're educators, we're researchers. Speak for
1: yourself. I'm kind of
0: <laughs> but that's. You know, maybe it's having talk, obviously modeling with our own children and in our classes, talking about our reading practices. Um, maybe it's being a little bit more intentional and saying, okay, when I pick up my phone and I'm zombie scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, I'm still reading. It's a different kind. Um, when I'm listening to a favorite podcast in the car with my children, or I go for a run and listen to an audiobook, I'm still reading. And just making that more explicit and overt with our children and and with our peers, you know, so as you spoke before talking to a friend and saying, no, that is a form of reading. We're just reading in different ways. And those are all valid and useful.
1: Our, one of our colleagues, Frankie Siberson, um, works with elementary students and she has incorporated into her classroom digital reading workshop. So as part of the independent reading, uh, she allows her students to engage with digital text, which I just think is a lovely way to value all kinds of reading in the classroom. Um, so maybe that's taking the step from parent to teacher valuing more than just the novel or the nonfiction book that the the kids get out of the library, but actually asking them and offering them the opportunity to bring in multiple kinds of reading. And hey, yeah, during independent reading time, you can put in your podcast and listen to it because we value that in this classroom.
0: Agreed. I think it's, you know, for my students that are early childhood teachers or elementary teachers, I think it's important to very early on you know present in an equal fashion all different forms of text and be a little bit agile and cross train across these different forms of text and say today we're going to read this chapter book today we're going to read this picture book today we're going to read this this youtube video or this you know this podcast we're going to have in class or we're going to read this piece of art or this map and have different forms of text and different forms of information, and they're all equal, and they're all valid, and they're all useful.
1: All right, so what are our big takeaways from today?
0: I think that I feel a little bit better about myself and my use of audiobooks. I think that we need to charge forth and push back and help redefine real reading or consumption um, and the last thing I'm going to suggest is that I need to spend a little bit more time annotating, uh, especially when I have those informational texts, and not rely just on my audiobooks. What are your big takeaways?
1: My big takeaway is that there really shouldn't be techno panic about print versus screens. And instead of panicking, we just need to embrace the fact that screen-based reading allows us for so many more opportunities for consuming and learning and understanding all of those things that we are reading, um, that it's not a cause for panic. We just have to learn how to, to manage it all.
0: Yeah, difference is okay. Different is okay, change is okay.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having the conversation today, Ian.
0: Absolutely. Thank you.
1: And we'll see you all next time.
0: Thanks for listening. Now I can get back to playing video games.
1: Check the it out.